Like we got Jaggers got that kind of party going. Being attacked by a dog. I don't know which it's one. Called it is. being good? fashionably late. <laughs> yes, fashionably late. I work in the dog house. That's what I call my office because I share it <laughs> with my dogs and my cat. Well, Ash, or what you know as DJ Kitty. Welcome, folks. The kitty. It is Dyn- <laughs> It is Dynasty Hour, episode five. I am your co-host Jagger May. You can find me at Fantasy Blue Chip, and with me. Is host of this guy sucks, Chuck Bass, um, and he's here to save our lineups. Fantasy Jesus, Justin mm-hmm. Herrera, and as always, he does uh, all the dirty work that I am garbage at. Our our in house producer and other co host, Mister Mallard, host of Divots and Pivots, Andrew Leduke. Make sure to hit the like, subscribe, and folks, good news: we're we're podcast now. We're real. We're on Spotify. <laughs> we're on Apple. I need you to go on there. I need you to give us a review and five stars. We will give you nothing. No t-shirts. Um, I can give you a code that we'll give you later in the promos, but go and do that. It really helps us. Much love. So without further ado, how are we doing, gents? Justin, you've been like silent death on here. Like you came on pre-show and he's just like game face. Like he's a fucking professional, guys. He comes on here, says nothing. And then as soon as, as Andrew hits action, he's ready to go. I want you to hit first point on here. News and nonsense. Devontae Adams on the Raiders front office. We don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now. I'm going to have to buy into this and try to be as optimistic as possible. It's not what I expected to happen, but it's something that's the reality now. All right, listen, folks, this guy just had like, I, I'm not I'm not sure 100%. Again, we got to have that in-house producer. Actually, a guy volunteered, so we may have that soon. But I'm pretty sure he had like an all-pro season again. Like he was Devontae Adams again. Like I think in the same interview, he flexed about being one of the like QB proof, which is it's, it's objectively fact. He, he's, he's good at football. And he says, after the draft, I don't know what we're doing, and I don't believe in it. Uh, we kind of talked about this already. We think about Josh McDaniels. Justin, I need you to give him the gospel, sir. Well, I'll be your Jamie tonight. Um, he did it, <laughs> 100 receptions, 1,500 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Just to give you perspective on how great he was last year, he did that on 20 fewer receptions than he, his last year with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's foolproof. He's the best wide receiver in the game for a reason. I don't care what you want to talk about fantasy and all that type of stuff. Yep. If you have to have somebody go up there and win you a game, it's all about Devontae Adams. Um, I, you know what? To be honest with you, he's calling out an organization that needs to be called out. Like they keep on doing these shitty, ridiculous moves. And 
you know, I read the article that you're just reading too. Like they talked about it last year. It was like, it seemed like a win now mode. They gave people extensions. They went out and they got Chandler Jones and they tried to do this and they tried to do that. And then they went out and had like, I think six wins. Like, I'm sorry, that's not acceptable. And that should a little bit should fall back on the coach rather than what Derek Carr was doing. I, I've honestly never been a fan of McDaniels. I think he is kind of like uh, Bob, Bill O'Brien. He's better set as a coordinator. He's somebody who maybe should have never gotten a second chance. Mm-hmm. You're going to win more rings as Bill Belichick's guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Testify. No. Testify. And, like, no. as a Patriots fan, everything you said, I think he's a great offensive coordinator. I yes. think he's a great. But him, Every time the prodigal son leaves, all of them are prodigal sons. Anytime they leave the hen house or uh, or they leave outside their, their station, it goes terribly. And then I, I don't know about you, Andrew, I'll, I'll serve this to you because you're the other Pats fan here in just a minute. But for me, yeah. it really sticks out that he's talking about the offense specifically because I actually thought the offense worked. And I think the defense is why they lost a lot of games. Like I think Derek Carr can only take you so far and your defense isn't good. But when Devontae Adams pretty much says, hey, I'm going to get you regardless 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's what I do. And I don't think this offense could work. Like, like basically he said, I can do most of the receiving work and I have questions. And then Josh Jacobs just had a career year. Like mm-hmm. it just, like, I think the offense is like it, it, it. It's working, and that he has questions. And after I, I dug into the stats a little bit, just kind of zooting around the internet and perusing, everything looks good statistically. But when you think about the Raiders, it's like. Mm. So Andrew, what do you think about the Raiders as a whole? Devontae Adams. I, I mean, you got to think he's right. So I guess we'll just get to the meat of it. Do you think Josh McDaniels can turn this ship around? Do you think this is the year that things are going to get fired or he's going to go come crawling back but with his tail between his legs with no offensive coordinator job because Billy, Billy OB is over at the Pats already and he can't coach. So, I think if he's going to do it, it's, it's going to be this year. There's no excuses for him not to do it because, look, they only – as far as even playing into Devontae Adams' game style even more – they, they added Jacoby Myers, and they're going to have a healthy Hunter Renfro back. That's All three of them are fantastic route runners who should, just from the way they run their routes and if they get creative with their route patterns, should be able to drive defensive backs insane with the way they're going to be moving around the field. So someone's going to be open. And like you said, Josh Jacobs, uh, Zamir White still is young and up and coming. So he, he's got – He's got weapons on this team as a coach where it, there's no excuse. If they if they fail again, it is on him because these guys are going to produce again. They should produce again. So I, 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 there's no more excuses for me on McDaniels. This is his last chance in my eyes. Yeah, it's like after year two, bro, like think about what the NBA just did to Doc Rivers and Monty mm-hmm. Williams. Monty Williams didn't even really do anything. I'm not going to get in the NBA, but they're like, hey, you should have done better. It's not good enough. Go find another job. Like, <laughs> like, like, th- like that's what they did. Like, they're like, they're like, good job, bro. Not good enough. Yeah, your so finals try- two years ago meant nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it meant nothing. So, Chuck, I'll finish with you, and then I'm going to circle back 
to talk about the fantasy implications because this is just talking about them as an organization. We haven't even talked about how we should respond because out of out of all the offseason news, this is mm-hmm. actually like real fantasy implications out of this. So I'll ask yeah. you on the uh, um, We'll stick to the football perspective on this. Yeah. What do you think saves Josh McDaniels? What's the over-under record? Is it playoffs and he's fine at least? Or is it – like they had six games, so is it 10 and they miss playoffs? Uh, I would say that they have to be – they have to float around 500. He's a sneaky bitch. And I've been looking at this. I've been thinking about it. This guy did the ultimate move. He traded for Tebow in Denver, which completely gave him a pass. He gets to blame everything on the quarterback, even though he handpicked him. So now he gets his second run and he gets a little bit more leeway. Honestly, Devontae Adams had all everything to complain about in Green Bay. And he, he avoided the wide receiver stereotype of being a diva. And he packed all that shit in. And he was the best wide receiver in the league for this entire stretch there. Guy comes to Las Vegas. It's so perfect that he comes to Las Vegas. He's hot at a blackjack table last year. He's killing it. He's on a roll. And what do they do? <laughs> they bring in the fucking cooler dealer. They bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, and they completely neuter his game. Um, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. The Raiders got a pass last year because the Broncos were an absolute pile of shit and distracted everybody from what was going on in LA, in uh, Vegas. The Chargers were a pretty public mess as well. Um, I think anybody – who's paying attention knows that there's a lot riding on this Raider season and it's going to be brutal. I think I, 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 I fear for Devonte. I fear for his fantasy ceiling. I fear for his role in the offense and what Jimmy's capable of doing doesn't quite suit what Devonte's. I mean, Devonte can make anybody look amazing, but we're talking about a receiver who's, you know, pushing it in age. Um, it just, it just sucks all the way around. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. So, Justin, we'll come back to you because, like, you're thinking the same thing I I got. Like, uh, we're, we're thinking about the future now. Like, we're, we're going to talk about the dynasty implications and roster Raiders assets that we have. I want to talk about Zamir White. I liked Zamir White enough pre-draft to to roster him, but it wasn't one where I was willing to die on or I'm trading or being aggressive for during that time. What do you think about Zamir White going forward after hearing this news? Or and, and then I guess we'll talk about the receivers because that's a whole other thing. But let's stick with the backfield. We have Josh Jacobs, Zamir mm-hmm. White, and I don't care. I don't even know who's RB three. So, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna say this: anytime somebody comes into the league with three ACL surgeries, I immediately go, "Yeah, that's a hard pass." You know, unless you are some super freak. You know, like. Adrian Peterson, where you have just destroyed the odds. I'm not really on board with it. I mean, I like Zamir White. His his highlight reel is through the roof. He looks like the type of guy that is would, it would mock compared <laughs> on the high level to like a Ezekiel Elliott. But like his touchdown is his touchdown potential. I think is like kind of like there, but. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I can't get behind somebody who's had three ACL surgeries. That's just that's way too tough. Um, it just it just doesn't seem like it's going to be something other than a backup role. And then you put mm-hmm. on top of that, Josh Jacobs has what like five thousand carries in his like twenty three year old life mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the Raiders, and he's never really like knock on wood suffered anything that kept him out for more than two games. Like that is durability right there, guys. I don't care what anybody says. Like, that is the definition of durability right there. And he just had his best season. So, beat him the ball all day long. Zamir White, if you have him, 
I don't know, trade him for a fourth or something. Try and roll your dice yeah. out on the table. Exactly. If you could get a fourth, that's a win. Because, like, let, let's, let's give an example. And, and only in one roster, I think I have him in, like, three leagues because it's a taxi squad, and I forget he's there. So I looked at it, and I had to cut him today. Like, like he like he didn't make the cut yeah. after a rookie draft today. And it's because, like, I would rather have Sean Tucker in the fourth. I'd rather have Dwayne McBride in the fourth than Zemir White. So – We'll do another segment mm. on on roster garbage that you should clean out. Mm. Like like actually we're yeah we, we uh we spitball segments all the time. Here's one right there. Zamir White just re-rolled. Let's let's just move on. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about the receivers in here. Again, we have Devontae Adams. I think Justin's right. He's he's wide receiver one. Not talking about fantasy mm-hmm. as an NFL, he yeah. is the best wide receiver in the NFL. In a league yes. with Justin Jefferson, I think he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. So let's just put that in our pockets. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you you pay Jacoby Myers. I think it's a modest deal, mm-hmm. and I don't hate this. What I don't like is that – who else did he bring in? He brought in the rest of the Patriots garbage on this team. Yeah, And then I think, I think Michael Mayer – is a good asset to own. We'll talk about that later. Chuck, I'll let you have yeah. that one. Andrew, yeah. what are you doing with the receivers? Like Jacoby Myers, do you like him? I, I, I put out a TikTok about Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro's donezo. I think I, Hunter Renfro, <laughs> I had to look at him on a roster. And I, I it, honestly, God, if it wasn't for me thinking that other people think he had value, I would cut him. I would cut him off my team right now. I like. I would rather have... Michael Wilson, who's going in the third round of rookie drafts right now for the Cardinals. Where are you at now with the rest of the the not Devontae Adams people? Yeah, look, to me, Myers is definitely fantasy-wise the number two guy to, to own on this team. Uh, but what's what makes me nervous here is two things about – I think Adams is going to get his. We saw that. I'm not worried about Adams one bit from a fantasy standpoint. What, yeah. sustain, what is worries me about sustaining Jacoby Myers in fantasy is I think Renfro will have – one, two, maybe three games that surprises and like we'll we'll just kind of screw Jacoby Myers for that week, come out of nowhere kind of deal. And Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt like he always gets hurt, gets hurt, who's gonna be throwing the passes after that? Because right now I don't think there is another quarterback on that depth chart at the moment. So that's what worries me. No matter what Devontae Adams is gonna get his Jacoby uh Josh Jacobs is gonna get receptions out of the back for like we saw last year because that's McDaniel's style. Myers and Renfro are going to be the the question marks all year. That's going to be a dangerous game to play. I think. All right, here's me. Here's a chance to me to be a, a nerdy film grinder that I am. <laughs> Aiden McConnell, Aiden McConnell is the perfect Patriots wide receiver. He is pretty good. He is not good at anything. He's pretty good at all the things. He's mm-hmm. smart processor. Can make every throw. And they drafted him in the fifth round. Is that a shit pick? Yes, because you like I don't know. You don't. You should have. If you're going to get a quarterback, I would have rather you. If you want a bad quarterback that's like not good at some things, I'd rather you've reached for, for Will Levis in like the second round. If you're going to do that, do it better than you're going to do it. But Aiden McConnell's someone I haven't drafted him because I build my rosters better than that. But let's say that you're bad at dynasty. You want to get good, and you want to acquire value. I think Aiden McConnell is someone to draft because, like you said, I have never seen Jimmy G finish a season. I've ne- in the get through season, half the season, let alone. 
Yeah, exactly. In the season that Tom Brady got hurt and he stepped in and balled out, he got hurt. And then Jacoby Brissett came in. I don't know if you guys yeah. remember that. So, like, yeah, Aiden McConnell. Yeah. Aiden McConnell. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Is a stash. Is he good? No, but I'm saying he's Bailey Zappy, so you could turn him into like a third rounder and sucker someone in season. But I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. That's just a little nugget because we have time. Uh, Chuck, <laughs> we'll go we'll go to you about Michael Mayer. Personally, I like drafting Michael Mayer. I've been in almost 13 rookie yeah. drafts, real one, and I haven't drafted him because I'd rather have Sam Laporte than other mm-hmm. and other people later. And then mm-hmm. when it gets time for draft him i get sniped do you like michael mayer for dynasty redraft you shouldn't be drafting any of these rookies it's a bad idea it's it's just a bad idea i um i i mean i i absolutely love the pick not only do i love the player um i love the scheme that he's going to um it's really the i I, i'm more excited about him long term than i am anybody there it's pretty clear that what they're going to do is instead of trying to push the ball down the field on first and second down they're going to try and set up a short third down distance, which I hate personally, but it's terrific for the kind of smart player that Maher is, um, his poise and his um, polish coming out of school. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to be an immediate impact. Um, they're obviously looking for their next Gronk. And while I don't trust the coaching staff in any meaningful way, I trust that I, I love it for a player who is getting that kind of attention and that kind of put on a pedestal that early. Uh, I, I mean, I think this is a day one smash. I'm really excited for him. Yeah, like the the page. If you think about coaching trees, how we think about the 49ers or specifically Kyle Shanahan coaching tree of running backs, that's mm. the Patriots system with with tight ends. And then, mm. yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, Jimmy Garoppolo. The one thing he could do is mm. get the ball to George Kittle. That's like he's like mm. hell yeah, I could check down, go. <laughs> like like that's yeah. the one thing he could do. Like Justin, again, he's a Niners fan. He could probably attest to that more more mm. than us. But like. I, I like Michael Mayer, and, and I think when another coach comes in, Michael Mayer can be somebody. Because you remember that Darren Waller's gone, Foster Moreau mm-hmm. got like cancer, and I think he just kicked cancer's ass or something like that, and he's getting signed yeah. by the Saints. That's actually new. He did. He's doing great. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's doing great. So that's like good for him. Pick up mm-hmm. Foster Moreau; it costs nothing. But I like yeah. uh, this is the one off. Uh, this is the one piece I think is a good future asset. Like, uh, yeah. like going forward, like you said, like this is the only one I'm thinking past like a uh, redraft season. So yeah, we'll let if, it if you're bef- in, just, just, just no, just, just before you do, I just want to say, if you're talking about, if you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback for the next two years of this team, you're talking about, and what the Raiders did, which I love is they drafted a tight end that is going to be, it can do everything. Well, his athleticism is the only knock, but he's so crafty. He's so great at getting open, which is perfect when you have a quarterback that is deathly afraid to take risks, which is going to be the entire offense, and which is why it sucks for Devontae, who wanted to come here and get bombs from Derek Carr this whole time, um, that that whole everything's changing there. Uh, and it's going to start benefiting these guys that are, you know, Devontae is going to, all the coverage is going to shift to him. And if you have a tight end that knows what the fuck he's doing, Jimmy Garoppolo has been used to that for five years now. That's going to be absolutely automatic. Yeah, I got I got one point to add on to that real quick. It'll be real quick. Uh, you said Hunter Renfro might be dead. Um, just because Jimmy Garoppolo's processing is very, like, on script, and if something doesn't go right, he tries to quickly get out of it. 
I would say Hunter Renfro actually benefits from that because he's really quick off his breaks. He's got great separation, and he'll be like five yards away from Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's he acts like another tight end as far as like the the passing game goes. So that's the only reason. And otherwise, I mean, he's he's an elite slot receiver. And what what do we know about the Patriot system? Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, all these guys that have been elite slot receivers. They like to they like to run the short game and they like to kind of guy get guys in the space. So I don't know if he's completely yeah. dead. And even if he was dead and traded, I'd still put him on my team because if he gets traded to a better situation, that's all the better. You think he's an elite slot receiver? Yes. I think he's a slot receiver. No, I think he's an elite uh, slot I, receiver. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for fantasy, okay, like, probably not. But. I, I, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll lump the rookie news together because, like, I, I got to keep going on this. I got just because there's two, yeah. there's, yeah, there's two nuggets there that I'd like to hit on. And <laughs> one is, is Hunter Renfro of value now? Because, like, let's think about the discourse. Like, like we're the discourse. I've been saying Hunter Renfro's dead for like weeks now. As soon as Jacoby Myers went there, I think he's dead. And the reason why, like, here's because I guess it's the same nugget is who is Wes Welker? Because, like, Jacoby Myers was Wes Welker for, like, that Julian Edelman, Wes Welker row after Edelman left. And now you have your guy there. Where does that leave Hunter Renfro? Like, it, to me, it's seeing where they fit. Because if Jacoby Myers wasn't there, I'd be all in on Renfro, essentially. Mm-hmm. So the, that's where yeah. I'm at. It's like, I'm thinking about volume and and who's going to be that guy. I, I just don't see this as an mm-hmm. offense where they're going to be throwing out three and four wide receiver sets and slinging it, you know? Did you think that Julian Edelman was an elite slot receiver? Yes. I think he got elite production. You thought he would. Yes. Okay. Because what makes a good slot receiver is he's quick. Like you don't have to be fast. You have to be quick. And then mm-hmm. he understands getting open in a zone. And that's crucial because if you can consistently get open mm-hmm. and sit in a zone, then you do mm-hmm. what we we're talking about. You're the safety blanket for, for your, mm-hmm. your quarterback. They know that you're going to be there. They know mm-hmm. where you're going to be at on time and they're going to serve it to you. Do you think he wasn't an elite slot? Uh, I think that he was in an elite situation. Okay. We so, can't talk that's about me. the past. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. We can't talk about the past. Who's Mr. Uh, coming up next. Coming up next. <laughs> okay. Awful quiet for a Pats <laughs> okay. fan, Andrew. Yeah. Sorry, I was so, so, I was trying to actually see because because you mentioned is asking the question is Hunter Renfro a, a value? And I actually did a best ball draft earlier, and I was kind of curious where he went. Uh, he went pick one seventy five overall. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, he went pick one seventy five overall. Mm-hmm. In best ball, yeah. Yeah. so I actually thought foresh- that foreshadowing. I wish uh-huh. I could do my math a little bit faster for you there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> like talk I to can, me don't like forget the like after work. Don't forget to like t- and subscribe. <laughs> I can tell you, he's the sixth bench player on this team that that took him. Mm. Okay, that actually that is so he's like a late round. That doesn't even yeah, matter. Yeah. That's free. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, that does. That's why because I, I do I do think he's valued because I do tend to agree more with Justin than with you, Jagger, on, on Renfro this year. Okay, so like he's dead, but he's like a zo- he's a free zombie now is what we're saying. That, he's like, one, he's, like, he's one of those zombies <laughs> that can actually run and, and climb stuff. 
Yeah, exactly. He's like those World War Z zombies. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew, tell me a couple people that went around him, and we'll we'll see if you guys would want any of those guys. I, ju- I just closed oh, it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh no, my phone just died. Oh, he's got to find All it because right. uh, apparently he's. Mm. All right, we'll come back. We'll yeah. come back to that. We'll foreshadow now. Like I'll read out some news now. Like I said, we're gonna lump it together. Three rookies. This is me slightly victory lapping because three rookies. I said we're gonna be good regardless of the situation. Mm. Anthony Richardson, Sam Laporta, Tank Bigsby. They're impressing in rookie camps already. When it's oh, he's got an answer. You got not. I did find it. Sorry, and I was I, I read this wrong. He actually went pick one sixty one overall. He, his rank was one seventy five. But the guys that went around him. Uh, right mm-hmm. before him uh, was uh, Chris Stroud, Alex Pierce, Alec Pierce, and Jimmy Garoppolo, and then right after him were Raheem Mostert, DJ Chark, and Mayer as well. I'd rather have all right. those assets over. Yeah, I'd yeah. Have all those assets. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say that the two, these only Not other two DJ receivers Chark. that went after him were in that same round, which was round fourteen, was Van Jefferson and, and Downs. Okay, that that was going to be my question because, like, um, um, we definitely I could talk. This is almost more about a uh, well, like when we we talk about startups and then more yeah. towards a, a redraft season starts. But uh, almost in those late rounds, I'm taking every rookie wide receiver because mm-hmm. they are more yeah. likely to hit than a uh, than a, a a veteran at that round. Like I was like, where's Josh yeah. Downs and Jaden Reed going? Because I'm probably taking them every time. But we'll we'll save that like like Chuck said, like foreshadowing. We could talk mm-hmm. about underdog and best ball later. Like that's gonna be a whole episode. So we'll we'll shove through and like I, I, I talked about it uh, I brought this up a little bit ahead of time, but Anthony Richardson, Samuel Porter and Tank Bigsby, they're balling out and doing well in camp. Specifically Anthony Richardson, like I've been saying the coaching staff said that he is already better than what they thought that he's supposed to be. And he's less of a mm-hmm. project than the consensus thought. And mm-hmm. unlike, unlike what like um, the Panthers are doing, who, which they traded their whole future to get Bryce Young. And they said that Anthony Dalton yeah. is going to get the start that, that I won't even get break into that. They're saying that Anthony Richardson is basically QB one and Gardner Minshew's there. So mm-hmm. Justin, we'll start with you again. Uh, how does this make you feel? Do does rookie camp narratives matter to you at all? Uh, it's 50 50. I mean, everybody looks good in rookie camps. Um, I mean, obviously, there are always those good and bad sheets, but I mean, you need to put some pads on and see what they have. Um, I'm happy to hear that Shane Steichen likes the guy that he got because obviously, yeah. Shane Steichen has become like kind of like a QB whiz around the league, so that gives me. Like that, that backs me up. I'm like, Oh yeah, I was glad I took him in like six of my startup leagues. Um, but you know, as far as Sam or, uh, Sam Laporta goes, I don't know. I mean, Detroit didn't really use the tight end too much last year. TJ Hawkinson had to go somewhere else to get good. And then tank Bigsby, uh, for what it's worth. I mean, he can still get the touchdowns, but I I don't see he's going to take too much of Travis Etienne stuff. Um, but I don't know. I'm ready for training camp. Training camp is really when you find out who's doing really good. They put on the pads. They start going out there. And people start going and talking to these reporters and saying, you know what? Sam Laporta over there, he's beating the linebackers. He's beating the safeties. All of that. So that's when I'm really yeah. like getting in tune with it. 
rookie minicamp mm-hmm. just kind of seems like a formality to me. Yeah, and I think it matters more when they're not good. That like like that that's that's what I think matters because you're gonna hear coach right. speak that like you have the usual, mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's doing everything that we want him to do, or he's progressing along fine. Like we can go on like a tire episode yeah. of just coach speak. But when they're and I mean when they're actually doing bad, not Jamar Chase, I have a couple mm-hmm. of drops in camp. I mean, like actually this player's doing bad that I, that matters. Yeah. Um I guess well, we the, can hint uh, a little sir, if you don't mind me popping in just real quick, the most important thing is the most important thing is that he is they're not doing that stupid thing where it's like, we're going to let some veteran have the reins and Anthony Richardson can work his way in and we're going to ease him in. That is neutered. That is neutered. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Tua, Daniel Jones, even going back. Like they're just, they know he's the guy and they're not getting, the NFL has made it very clear that if you're the guy, you're going to get the keys early and all the other great quarterbacks have succeeded early. And I don't think it's a player thing. I think it's an organizational thing. Some guys approach this very old school and you don't need to do that shit anymore. Anthony Richardson is going to benefit tremendously, tremendously from here are the fucking keys and there is no speed limit. Let's go. And, and that's all that I think really matters as we progress through this off season. Yeah. That was a Patrick Mahomes. Effect. And, and like everybody thought Patrick Mahomes needed that year to season up. And then now everybody's like, Oh, he needs a year to season Patrick up. Mahomes would have broken the same points record for fantasy quarterbacks. If he started his rookie year, than if he did, in 2018 i swear by it he that these guys you're they're generational they're generational and he might have another and, super and, bowl find out too oh yeah for sure and and to bounce off both of your guys this point and i like andrew ask you if you if you agree with me on here that um i think now we've noticed that it's more important to get these guys out there early and let them bail early so sure. let's see like let's let's think about where we are with uh with with the Packers guy, um, Jordan, uh, I've almost Love. forgotten his Jordan Love. Yeah, no, I, for, I would like name. to make a motion. I might like to make a motion to officially refer to him as the Packers guy for the rest of this podcast. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, the, so, so the Packers guy, we've waited like four years for him. If he's not good, I think it, it matters a little bit. The fan base, everyone is going to collectively want them to move on. It, it almost feels better. Like with Zach Wilson, when he did bad, we were still thinking, man, maybe he needed that year to like really fuck up. And then we were ready. That second year, we were like, okay, he's just bad. But we were willing to <laughs> wait a whole year. You know? Yeah. But that we so all like, knew that the Jets were doing the right thing by throwing him out there. Throwing him um, in there. Yeah. And, and investing. Yeah. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. Like that's the track record, Trevor Lawrence. That's the path now. And if you're taking a quarterback in the top 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20, whatever it is, this is a guy who needs to be on the field ASAP. They're capable of doing it. And it's, it's like you said, you nailed it. Like Trevor Lawrence, that that's an actual real example. He looked like mm-hmm. dog shit and it's not mm-hmm. even his fault. All of it. And he still kind of looked bad at times this year, mm-hmm. but it's because yeah. we saw the flashes and it got mm-hmm. it consistently got better. We're like, like, like I saw him like uh, on a boot, spin around a guy and then throw a 50 yard bomb on a dime. And I'm like, there's Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence. I'm like, there he is. And then you're mm-hmm. willing to like <laughs> bet on it. You're like, okay, he still got it. He just needs to figure it out. So like Anthony Richardson, He's probably going to look awful, really bad at times. And then you're going to you're going to get on Twitter and people are going to be like, told you Anthony Richardson was a running back, should have moved to tight end. And that's when you buy him. 
Same thing with like Justin Fields. We see these guys look really bad at times, and then those plays pop. And then yeah. about year three, you need to see the consistency. So I'm all in. Sim Laporta, to give you guys some stats on him, uh, he should be doing well because, like we said, it's rookie minicamp. You want their top rookie picks to look better than their not top rookie picks, to give it an example. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> which you want your, that your to happen. Your sixth rounder looks as good as your third round or your first round, or you got some problems there, but <laughs> Exactly. So, like, as someone who's been, I, I say, like, top of the uh, one of the top guys pushing Sam Laporta, only Rob Gronkowski has ever averaged like 800 yards and 10 touchdowns, basically a significant fantasy asset. Rob Gronkowski has been the only significant fantasy asset, asset for a three year window. So, Sam Laporta is going to be sitting around for about two years and then he's gonna and like we talked about you see flashes like george mm-hmm. kittle flashed early all these mm-hmm. guys they flashed early they did they were good week to week but they flashed early so these yeah. are the things we need to see like tank exactly like tank bigsby mm-hmm. i don't know i'm i am i it's confirmation bias to me and i acknowledge that uh, uh i guess to be the real acknowledge acknowledge uh how good it is are you guys drafting Tank Bigsby in like puppy bowls or like uh, redrafts? Is is Tank Bigsby going to be a guy you're going to roster? Not redraft. No, um, not a redraft. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, and fucking yes. Um, I will. I, I I will because I'm a I'm a zero RB guy. I'm a zero RB mm-hmm. guy. So Tank Bigsby. Like he's gonna be my RB two on a lot of redraft teams, but we're gonna talk game yeah. three in, in a little bit. So Please. I guess I get yeah. I, and actually, we'll just go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll <coughs> go ahead and pay some bills, and we'll get right into the uh, the game theory chasing running back handcuffs. Uh, go ahead and hit the roll. Pete Underdog Fantasy is here to save your post fantasy football season blues. The easiest place to play and win with the Underdog Fantasy app. Get up to 20 times your money in a single night with our Pick'em contests. Grab some insurance when setting your picks and win even when one pick fails. Go online now and use the promo code TSS to double your deposit up to $100. Sit gingerbread, good girl. Good girl. Remember, everybody, it's Puppy Bowl season. It's Best Ball Mania. Use code TSS. Get the, like we'll match up to hundred dollars, and that's how we get paid. So I need you guys to do it. All right. So we're gonna talk game theory, chasing running back handcuffs. We just talked about Tank Bigsby, um, and we'll talk a little bit about roster construction, but specifically from a dynasty aspect where you have time and you can build a whole roster and you're not playing um, like one year at a time. And that's a whole other conversation about handcuffs. Do you guys chase handcuffs? Chuck, we'll start with you. What do you do? Um, I, I don't just chase handcuffs. I put them on a pedestal because I typically smash wide receiver and tight end and quarterback super early. So I look for guys that I don't just think are extremely valuable handcuffs, but I think will have standalone value. And if we're talking just to piggyback on the conversation we just had, um, I'd like a cool 
150 to 175 attempts, maybe five to 600 yards and potentially eight or nine touchdowns for Tank Bigsby this year. Uh, and, and I fully expect that. That's not a hope. That's an expectation. Um, and I think that in the age of the running back by committee, you could say that there's some hope of that expectation for at least 30% of the teams that are out there. So I think that as far as game theory goes, this isn't just a hopeful strategy. This is a proven strategy that a lot of the big dogs employ. Yeah, I agree. Like, like you nailed it. That's what I do. Like, um, let's put it this way, a roster that I just finished a rookie draft in my wide receivers are Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown. Um, I, I took Zay flowers. I think I have Brandon. Ayuk. I'm loaded. And then I have uh, Justin Fields and then Jalen hurts at quarterback. My my starting running backs are Zach Charbonnet and 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 uh, Tank Bigsby right now, and I'm like that's it. Fine that's the that. dream. Yeah, that's like, the dream. I, I'm 100. <laughs> and and like the reason why my bench wide receivers are 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 act, like Zay Flowers is a bench player for me. I got he doesn't mm-hmm. have to produce year one for me. I have Jaden sure. Reed. I have all these assets that I can trade for a running back. So like, like, and and that's for, again, folks, this is a roster construction standpoint of just like the zero RB guys. So then I'll push it a step further, Justin, I'll serve it to you. Let's say you have, uh, I I try to make this trade in a draft. Now I'm trying to trade for the four Oh two. And, uh, I offered the CMC owner, Elijah Mitchell, is this a trade that you would accept? And is this a move that you would try to make on either side? Because I think that a handcuff is most valuable to the person who has the RB1. Let's say like Zamir White matters to me if I have a zero RB uh, build, but it matters most to the guy who has Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I love that leveraging. Um, yeah. That's something I try to employ myself. Um, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think that's a, that's a good trade. And, you know, Elijah Mitchell has proven to not be worth more than five games anyways. So, and CMT <laughs> has a long history of injuries. So I'm sure that guy looked at that trade and said, Oh, hell yeah. Except, um, yeah, I don't know if you want to know my point on, um, on handcuffs. I freaking love handcuffs, but I am in leagues with guys that are just like you that just like scoop up all the wide receivers. So I'm like left there because I always go to the back end of the draft and I'm like, man, son of a bitch. <laughs> so I always go instead of going and getting like the, the number eight wide receiver or number 10 wide receiver, I start scrounging up running backs, but then I like, mm. I'll double down on that. I'll go two running backs, then two receivers. And then I'll start, you know, picking up as many quality running backs as I can get. So one thing I did last year, I went hard on Khalil Herbert. This year, one guy that I think everybody should go hard on is actually Donta Foreman because, believe it or not, that guy goes for absolutely nothing, currently the starter for the Bears. And guess what? You know, they've kind of done a little revamp on the line, helping it out a little bit. They have a running quarterback. Worst-case scenario for him is he becomes mm-hmm. like an old beatdown Ezekiel Elliott runs it in 14 times for 14 touchdowns. <laughs> and mm-hmm. guess what? You just got yourself Jamal Williams. Yeah, I was my about guys. to say, that, that's my kind of running back, baby. That, that's a league yeah. winner for my roster builds. And, like, uh, I've been pretty high on Roshan Johnson, and I've kind of yeah. tempered off a little bit because of what you mm-hmm. said. 
because like if you look at it at an at a analytical standpoint, I have a lot of Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert was like mm-hmm. a starter for me because again, these are the it's guys fantastic. that I built yeah. my roster. Yeah, yeah. That like I think that Roshan Johnson is going to be less valuable for fantasy than people think because Deontay Foreman and and Khalil Herbert were very good. Like they, mm-hmm. like they were very good runners. Deontay Foreman's problem is he was behind Derrick Henry, and then he got injured. But he's been a very good runner, so they don't need mm-hmm. Roshan to be any more than like a third down guy. What he kind of was in and for the Texans because he's a good pass blocker, he's a smart player, mm-hmm. and and he's okay as a receiver. But like mm-hmm. Khalil Herbert again, man, I thought he he had more juice than uh, David. Mont- terrific, had. significantly, yeah. 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 Significantly, yeah, and the, the 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 key with these guys and all you got everything you guys are saying is on point. You do have to get these guys. This isn't. I'm gonna look forward to him following to me in the next round. You have to when you're at this point in the draft. Do not be hesitate to reach for these guys because we're talking about there are only a handful of them that have the ceiling that we're hyping up right now. While there's a ton of them that will get the opportunity to, there are only a few of them that have that like, bam, home run. I'm going to be fucking texting people about this smash hit that I got. Um, so please, mm-hmm. I, I, inc- I implore everybody to let Donovan Peoples-Jones fucking slide. All right? Don't worry oh, about that. He, he's <laughs> unrosterable for like you're a lot gonna of be stuff. Okay. Like, man, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Like I was telling people that, that Donovan Peoples-Jones – had he had two routes to go in, in life. He was either going to become Gabe Davis or he was going to get replaced in the draft. And now, like, he, like two things that happened. They got Elijah Moore, and then they drafted Cedric Tillman. That tells you everything you need to know, what they think about Both Donovan things Peoples happened, Jones. actually, somehow, which yeah. is yeah. Just yeah. Somehow, it's like, somehow impossible. <laughs> yeah, I was like, both things happened. Like, like, still, like, I don't think Cedric Tillman is all that good. I really like Elijah Moore. But, like, at the end of the day, he's a guy that is going to have, like, a couple of pop games but isn't going to be, like, a real winner. And, like, this kind of leads into my – like, you – you talk about the trade I said about the four two for Elijah Mitchell. Mm. The guy said he didn't. I I offered the three ten, which is only like like three picks higher, four picks higher, and he said no to that. And then I was like, okay, well I'll take the four two, and he said no. And I don't know if he's sticking the same thing that I am because this transition into the next thing is. Um, I I wanted Dwayne McBride. I think Dwayne McBride is the back to own. Mm in minnesota right now because we'll, here's what we talk about handcuffs that i think people chase that don't have a lot of value or they're just value where you're looking for them to hit and then you're trading for a future pick which is an okay strategy i just don't like to bake, bake on that it's like your anthony madison's right now a lot of people are incredibly bullish on anthony madison and i think at best he's going to be Dwayne mcbride's backup it's mm-hmm. Is this the type of guy that you're you're chasing? Because right now, everyone thinks that everybody's going to be the next Tony Pollard. I'll start with you, Andrew. Are you meaning to say Alexander Madison? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Just, yeah. Sorry. Want to make sure? Alexander, I, yeah. Want to make sure there was a, wasn't a running back. Let's just call back. him the. Let's just call him no the Viking. The Viking. The Vikings guy. <laughs> the Vikings guy. Yeah. I, again, guys. You, yeah. You could tell players I do not believe it because I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's name? (laughs) Look, I am not surprised that people are chasing Alexander Madison because he has shown out when needed to when Cook has gone down in the past. So I I get it. Um, 
I'm not exactly sure. I'm not confident in that team's uh, full backfield right now. I think it's going to go through a changer. So, like you said, I'm not confident that Madison's going to necessarily take that that's next step. I think he they might be quite comfortable with the role he's in um, as a really good backup that they can lean on. Uh, to, to make some points about the running back handcuffs, I do like running back handcuffs as well. But to your point, you mentioning trades and stash it, like really racking up a bunch of receivers that you can then trade you know, use this trade bait to then bring in some some running backs later in the year as they develop. Mm-hmm. Only works if you know you're in a league that is willing to trade. Because I have been in leagues where I employ that strategy and then find out nobody's willing to make a trade no matter how much you're willing to overpay. They just mm-hmm. won't trade. So if you know you're in a league where people are just unwilling to trade, you you got to be careful about the strategies you uh, you put out there because or else you'll end up like I did where I'm getting receivers getting 15 20 points on my bench while my running backs are scoring four or five points because I just can't play you know six receivers yeah dude you freaking nailed it and you kind of like put a uh you kind of doused my fire because uh, one league <laughs> one, one one group of guys one group of guys I can't I can't make trades in that league they're very mm-hmm. conservative they always give me the uh um, like it's my home league, to be honest. Like, uh, it's my it's home either, league too. <laughs> yeah, no it, it's one. It's it's never a happy medium. I either see the most dumbass "Are you high?" moment trade ever, or or they're just like, "I'm gonna see what happens," and I'm like, "What are you waiting on?" Mm. You know, like it'd be like Julio Jones when he's with the Bucks. I want to see what happens, and I'm like, "Dude, we saw it like six years ago. It's done." You know. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. stuff like that. Like you, you're hundred percent right. Like sometimes can we blame that on Leftwich? Like... Oh my god, I gotta quit talking about the Bucks because <laughs> Chuck... Chuck's gonna. Provide this is a new segment coming up called Bucks Corner. Oh, Bucks Corner. Yeah. No, you get. You know that. You... Yeah. No. Go. You good. Go. Go. I was gonna say to your point, Andrew. Was Alex was was Alexander Madison actually good or was like the offense really good? So the That's offense was like, the offense like, was, yeah. The offense was really good and he showed moments of popping in on the days where ever all eyes were on him. Specifically, you know, the way I view Alexander Madison is he became popular in fantasy circles because of his one week value in DFS formats. Because he it was very predictable the weeks that he would pop off and people would play him and they would win money, which then people make the mistake of then carrying that over into redraft or into dynasty and these other forms where sometimes guys just pop off in certain weeks. It's just how it works. It has yeah. to be the yeah, perfect I scenario. You, you yeah, know I think he's like Jeff Madison's Wilson. Best games. What was that? I, I, I did. I had this debate with somebody like last year when they were trying to tell me go get Alexander Madison. I was like, you know, his best games were against two of them were against a rebuilding Detroit defense. And mm-hmm. one of them was against Seattle when they weren't that good. Yeah. I was just like, I looked at him. I was just like, you realize that that's a sample size of three bad or, you know, three bad defenses. It's really two bad defenses, but three bad defensive games against a guy who was behind an established line. And Dalvin Cook would have probably had more success than him. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, he reminds me of, do you guys remember 2021 when Derrick Henry ran down and the Titans were just running guys like Dontrell Hilliard, right? Yeah. These guys yeah. come, they, they come in fresh and they look amazing fresh because they're only used when they're fresh and their career freshers. 
Um, Alexander Madison is a fine player, but he's been around too long. He's a brand name. So he's going to be mm-hmm. overdrafted. He's gonna, there's going to be over, there's going to be over expectations. It's going to be like when Lamar Miller left Miami and went to the Texans and it was like, Oh, this is a fucking layup. This guy's going to get all the carries. He's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a pure volume play. Uh, no, that doesn't always work out. And uh, I mean, I like him. Don't get me wrong. I think he has standalone value, but I don't think he's the most talented running back on the roster. I think you're right about McBride. I completely agree with that. Um, but he's just not in that sweet spot. He's been around for too long that people are going to be like, oh, here's my Tony Pollard. Boom. And they're going to think that that's going to be the expectation. And they're going to get just absolutely – they're going to get a swirly. And I'm looking forward to watching from a distance <laughs> and cheering on. Yeah. Because <laughs> the point is the the real lesson of all this, folks, and like and like like Chuck, thank you for the 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 tee off there, is that you should stop assuming every player is an outlier. Like 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 the the key is is that we see one player and then we chase that one player. And this is a whole segment that we've all talked about that we're gonna like hit on a little bit later about chasing outliers on there. Like these are like. Well, he could be the next Brock Purdy. I don't care about the next Brock Purdy because that's a bad bet. I don't care about the next Brock Purdy. I'm not trying to find that. That's not in my process. I'm not trying to find the next Tony Pollard because if you are a day three running back that has been a backup for a long time, your chances are not good. It's just like these are outlier players. And I'm sorry, Anthony, or again, I don't I don't care about his name. Alexander Madison is not Tony Pollard. He's not Tony Pollard. So this goes to my next point. Rookie handcuffs. We talked about Tank Bixby. I, I brought up Dwayne McBride. These are the handcuffs I would rather have. And then we still get burned with, with the uh, Zamir Whites. So this is where we need to talk about the analytics and draft capital. I, the rookie handcuffs you want are the ones that get day two draft capital. Like Charbonnet, hmm. Tank Bixby, or uh, Tajay Spear. I, I Justin hit. I'll let you have this one because you hit the point <laughs> of why you shouldn't have Tajay Spear. How many ACL surgeries has he had, and who is he behind? <laughs> should, uh, should... <laughs> I think. I think the uh, actual quote from the press conference was, "Do you have an ACL, sir?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he <laughs> said, "I'm healthy." I was like, you didn't answer. To which he responded, "Fucking healthy." Fucking balls on that guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm like, okay, like, like I'm healthy, but I'm also 30, and like I don't have an Achilles. So, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know? yeah, it's safe to say I will not be getting Tajay Spears because, yeah. uh, as I said last year, he is just fuel for Derrick Henry to go another two seasons. Um, yeah. But one guy – Wild card that I'm getting a lot of in the fourth round is Evan Hall, who went to Indianapolis out of the fifth round. You know, the prospect is not amazing, but it's the area that you land, right? He's landing right there. Who else is behind him? And he's got Jonathan Taylor right in front. Jonathan Taylor just had his first real major injury of his career. And guess what? If he goes down again, even for some minor time, that pick immediately becomes worth it because of the amount of times that they run the ball. That's the type of stuff you got to always take into consideration. That's why a lot of people missed on Elijah Mitchell. Why would you miss on the 49ers freaking draft pick? Because it's here in Davis price. Yeah, I understand. But didn't you learn your lesson from Trey Sermon the year before Kyle Shanahan doesn't know how to pick in the, in the first two days. He always leaves his best picks for the third day. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah. But, you know, Philly's another one. Philly's another one. You always try and pick up those Philly backs whenever they're on the board. Um, I know you said you don't like Roshan Johnson. I like him as somebody who can maybe figure into the future if maybe this year they figure, you know, Khalil Herbert doesn't end up being anything, which I don't think will happen. I think he's going to be much better. But do but, you uh, get do you get nervous about guys about about committee guys in teams that value the committee as opposed to guys who value next man up? Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's always kind of hard with a committee because you always kind of feel like everybody's got their role whereas it's like next man up yeah, is yeah, literally yeah, yeah, just yeah. next man up like it could be like the Derrick Henry mm. situation like you were talking about before mm. where you find Dante Foreman you find Dontro Hilliard and these mm. guys just go on like a mini tear while Derrick Henry's out mm. whereas yeah. opposed to the committee like you know let's let's take Philly for instance you always knew mm. Kenneth Gainwell was never going to be the number 1 you always mm-hmm. knew Jordan Howard was going to steal two touchdowns. Boston Scott was <laughs> going to get two touchdowns versus the Giants. Mm-hmm. And Miles Sanders was going to get 1,000 yards. And this past year, he finally got his touchdowns. But the year before, everybody was like, 1,000 yards and zero touchdowns? Is that going to happen again? Mm-hmm. Of course it's not going to happen again, no. silly. But I, I do know what you're saying. You silly. Like, you silly. You silly ass. Silly well, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I think what's important to look for in those situations that you're talking about, Chuck, is that – in Evan Hall's situation, where uh, obviously Taylor is the, the bell cow there, but we know what Zach Moss is at this point. Yeah. He's a big disappointment. He may technically still be ahead of him on the death chart right now as far as Ross goes, but we know that come mid, you know, week six maybe, or roster cuts even. But we know what Zach Moss is at this point. So that's a perfect situation where it's an easy step up for someone like Evan Hall if he does show any sign of. Um, being able to handle the NFL. Nailed it. Yep. All right. We'll, we'll pay the bills one more time and we'll finish off with one more little segment before we go. Jazz, Sportsbook, Casino, and Racebook, the world's best resource for all purpose online wagering. For over 20 years, Jazz has provided the best and quickest payouts in sports and entertainment wages. Live sports betting, covering all the major sports leagues and even into the new and exciting world of esports. Down the stretch you'll come, with Jazz's online horse wagering. Get paid when you play with Jazz's fun and exciting online casino games. Go online now and use the promo code TSS for our new, members deals. Jazz Sportsbook, Casino, and Racebook, the world's best resource for online wagering. I'm jazzed up after that Jazz Sportsbook, let's go. Yeah, we can tell where you're at. I know. (laughs) <laughs> I fucking love the hat. Oh shit! The hair. All right, not we're talking. So good tonight, you look like you're ready to smoke a cigarette <laughs> in a casino. Extra long. I'm always ready. That's my problem. He looks like he works in a jazz casino. Like they play jazz, and they just they play like backgammon, like games that you're too like trashy to play. Like that. Like if I walked up to you and I and you, I was like, "Hi, I'm Jazz Casino." You'd be like, "Yeah, that that makes sense." Like I'm the physical embodiment (laughs) of the entire the entire enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) Unsolved mysteries, folks. Drake London versus Traylon Burks. (laughs) 
is there is there even is there even is there even a setup to that because i just want to know i just want to know i would like to you guys to explain it to me explain it to me why drake london unless it's how you feel about them as prospects explain it to me how these guys are in any different situation from one another please for the love of god uh i'll take this one yeah, um, you wrote it. Drake, yeah, I was like, Drake London's target rate is just much higher. Like, you talk about earning targets. We just have such a large sample size that says that he is poised for a second-year breakout than Traylon Burks has. And I'm a, I'm a homer. I'm an Arkansas fan. I love Traylon Burks. But when it comes to projectable, and I mean, like, more than just is the, is the, is the data football. reliable though when you consider what both of them went through last year when it comes to quarterback changes injuries injuries on on other players on the offenses i mean how much stock can we put in what we've seen so far i think marcus mariota was arguably worse than josh dobbs even let's say mm-hmm. like let's say if the titans had josh let's say if josh dobbs had an yeah, had an entire season. Like, th- th- like that's my whole point. Is like, mm. even with if you talk about low passing volume, uh, it like lo- like low passing volume and 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 being with mediocre quarterbacks, that is the second point is raw mediocre. Only one of them had a mediocre quarterback, which would be Ryan Tannehill, and then the subsequent mm. garbage afterwards. Uh, the mm. Falcons didn't have one. Market like like if you look at even Kyle Pitts' mm. stats, the on target mm. rate was so abysmally low. And like you want to talk about off the charts and the regress mm. and the positive regression that we could see, that it's just it it just projects way higher. Secondly, when you think about athletic profile and just a um, from a college profile, D- Drake London has the better one. So when we take that stock into that, I, it's hard for me not to have how much better significant a lot, a like, lot uh, better. Traylon Burks ran like a four seven. He ran like a four seven, and then at Arkansas, they didn't asthma run a very comp. Okay, I'll I'll let you have that one because I'm buying into that four, five, five. So that's not bad. Okay. At all. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad. Uh, <laughs> here's the main thing to consider. Hey, hey, here's the main hey, thing Jagger, to consider. You know what Drake London ran? Huh? A four five eight. Oh shit! Pro day look at stats. The Fucking the pro day stats. <laughs> Uh, Drake Jay, London Raz, oh. his relative athletic <laughs> let's, score. Let, 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 let's, while you're doing that, let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you this contextually, right? Let's assume for just one second that these receivers are same tier, right? Just bear with me, all right? Who is in the better situation? It's clear, it's clear, Drake London, because he, and here's, and here's why, because you brought up how last year's stats can we really compare them given the situations. And I think we can at this point, because we know Tennessee's situation didn't change. They're still going to roll out Tannehill and whoever might come up behind him when he ultimately fails or gets hurt or whatever. The receivers behind him are the same, pretty much the running backs are the same. Like that's Tennessee Titans are going to be the same as last year. Atlanta, arguably between Desmond Ritter and hell, 
I'm going to say even Taylor Heineke, whichever one of them plays, I think would still be better than Ryan Tannehill at this point in that Tennessee offense. So the Atlanta situation between that, B. John Robinson, and like everything that they got going on over there that everyone was so high on about last week, the situation only got better in Atlanta. So Drake London over Traylon Burks all day for me. Showing up late for these pre-meetings is because all you guys do is smoke crack and then you start recording this pod. How can you possibly... How can you possibly say there is absolutely nobody on that Tennessee team that is even worth rostering other than Derrick Henry? Traylon Burks is in the situation where Tannehill is kind of my point. Complete, he was a complete <laughs> A. He was an A plus deliverer of the football for AJ Brown. They traded AJ Brown. They bring in Burks because they want to feed the offense. Does heavily feature a wide receiver one who's capable of getting open, who's capable of making Burks couldn't plays. do it. And Tannehill can't do it either anymore. That's my he point. He did do it. What do you mean he can't do it? He did do it, and he's he did not, it with with Mal- it. and he did it with Malik Willis. And they're bringing in Ryan Tannehill, who can sustain. And they drafted a quarterback that we think potentially could. Hopefully, I could be eating shit in my mouth in uh, a year, but uh, no <laughs> Ooh, one's ever said that. Tasty. Um, Want some corn? With I'm just shit? saying. Drake London had a brief window with a, a good quarterback in Desmond Ritter, who I actually do have a lot of faith in, but he's got Kyle Pitts on the offense. They just drafted the best player on the team. Um, I, I, I just I just don't know, and especially as Derrick Henry approaches that cliff, which is as far away as I hope it is, um, I don't know. I think, um, I think that long-term I'd rather have Burks. This, this is fun. Last week I shit on the Falcons and Chuck is, go Falcons, go. This week I, I, I praise the Falcons. He goes, go Titans, go. <laughs> that was the jello shots I, last week. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my. Chuck, 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 Chuck. I, I, I've never, I don't know what's happened to me because I've like, again, I'm like, I, I'm rarely, I'm rarely a Homer guy, but when it comes to my Arkansas, when it comes to my piggies, man, I'm irrational. But like, it's just Drake London is just such, he's so much better analytically. Like, I just like, like, again, we just think about all those targets there. And and like, I think Andrew hit it perfectly is that the Atlanta just got significantly better. All right, Justin, I need you to clear this up because we've hit our hour mark and I, we got to we'll, we'll we got to come back to this because I feel like there's no resolution. But before we go, I need to hear your opinion so we can. Are we fifty fifty here, or is Chuck just wrong? Like we all first think? off, I need to ask you a question since you're such an Arkansas guy. Do you have somewhere the Peyton Hillis uh, Madden? Do I have it? Yeah. No, because it's I'm. I, 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 it is a great Madden, and that was a that was my favorite year. And like, I, I was I was that, hoping you were gonna say yes. <laughs> like, do you hope I was, I was gonna, pull, you were gonna say it's like framed on a wall somewhere? <laughs> I could, but I could talk. I could talk about that backfield for like year, years. And I, we had Peyton Hillis, Darren McFadden, and Felix Jones in one backfield. It's one of the greatest of all time. But again, yeah, yeah. But again. Please stick to the point. Are, are you team Drake London? Are you team Traylon Burks? Is right. Chuck wrong? All right, boys. And why well, is I it mean, yes? Chuck is always wrong. Chuck's wants to go get more jello shots. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the outro right there, Andrew. If you didn't know, <laughs> Chuck is always wrong. Boom. Get out of here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, Drake London all the way. 
both guys have very much trouble. Oh my god, what? What? Bring him back you? up. How Bring him back you? up for this bullshit. Always you? wrong, my ass. You tell me. You That's say him. You tell him. I'm all, tell him he's always wrong. For all you, all you podcast listeners, Groot. Groot, your daddy's always wrong. You were saying wrong person. You were in the middle of saying why I was right. <laughs> Again, for uh, listeners at home, he brought a dog, which is just cheating. Like I have, I have two right here. I have a cat, and you know what? I'll just play that game. My cat says you're wrong as hell, Chuck. And you know what? Roll the credits, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Is Justin giving us his point or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all Drake London. Um, I hated Traylon Burks as a prospect. I thought he was a glorified Debo Samuel. You hated him. Um, and he proved oh, yeah. it because he was injured a lot. And he's surprisingly not as quick as his 40 time says. And he's terrible with separation. Like, come on, dude. How are you a first round pick? How are you supposed to replace AJ Brown with that guy? Tell me that, Chuck. Tell me that. Uh, next exactly. Roll the clip. Close this out. We'll let Chuck babble later on there. But we got to come back to this. We got to come back to this. But before we go, make sure to like, subscribe. And again, we're on Spotify and Apple and all the stuff. Probably I need to make sure. Um, make sure to leave us a review, give us five stars, give us a listen. And then another reason why you want to keep track, we have a huge underdog draft coming. We'll have some guests coming. Um, we'll keep you up to date on that. And then we have some other things going. We're going to have our first league or excuse me, our first show dynasty league where we're going to have a startup and more content coming for you again. I'm Jagger at fantasy blue chip. There's Justin Herrera and Chuck Bass and Andrew LeDuc. We'll see you next week, folks.